Hey guys, there's five minutes till service, so please come in, grab seats, grab a friend, make sure you have your notebook open or your notes, and just get ready to dive into the Word and worship with us tonight. Guys, if you haven't already found a seat, I suggest you grab a seat right now and then just get ready to dive in with us tonight. Let's go. 
to be here with you guys tonight. So hey, here at Bridge Youth, we love meeting new people. So hey, everybody stand up, stand up, find a seat for the people who are walking in, meet somebody new and hit them with this question. If you could only listen to one genre of music for the rest of your life, what would it be? What would it be? Worship, right? I was thinking country, but uh, 
Besides worship, what would yours be? I think indie. Yeah, probably same. Yeah. Maybe country. Sorry, Corey. <laughs> Shout out to all my country fans out there. Yes, all right, we, do have, we love you. <laughs> we do have a couple announcements for you guys, Liv. Do you want to start us off? Our first announcement is social media. So, hey, if you don't already follow us on social media, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at BridgeYTH underscore, and then you can stay up to date on all the latest. All right, here at The Bridge, we do like to say that giving is another way to worship God. There's absolutely no pressure, but if you do feel like you're being called to give, we have a giving station in the back of the room and you can also give online as well. We also have connect groups this Sunday. Who's in a connect group? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, we got some connect group love. Hey, if you're only pulling up on Wednesday nights, that's only half the party. So make sure to pull up on Sunday mornings at 1130 with connect groups. It's a great way to connect with people and you don't want to miss it. Yeah, so it pull is. Up. I love connect groups. Exactly. All right, if you guys didn't know, we also do Bible clubs and we're probably on your campus. If you guys would like more information about that, you can DM us at bridgeYTH underscore. Come hang out with us, me and Liv. We'll be there at some of them and we'd love to hang out with you guys. It's a party, bro, you don't wanna miss it. And hey, we have Easter coming up. So we have some Easter services that we wanna let you guys know. We have our Good Friday service at 7 p.m. And then for our Easter Sunday services, it's gonna be at 8.30, 10, and 11.45. So bring your families, come on out. It's gonna be such a special time and you don't wanna miss it. Yes, we also have Youth Convention 2023 coming up. Turn you guys me don't up. wanna miss that either. That will be Friday, April 28th to Sunday, April 30th. Youth Convention is an amazing three-day youth conference where thousands of teenagers and people our age get to meet people, connect with each other, and worship God. It's going to be amazing, and so it's the event of a life lifetime. You guys don't want to miss it. You can register on our website and the app today, but do that as fast as possible because they will sell out. And bro, y'all all know what time it is. Stand up, stand up, come to the front, and let's, let's worship. Do it. weeks, look at, look at your neighbor, say, listen up. Hey, over the past couple weeks, um, there's been, there's been a handful of things during worship I wanted to speak into our culture of worship. It seems like for the past few weeks, um, there's been, I think on the, on, on the good side of things, there's been a, a little bit of out of handness. By out of handness, I mean our poor little junior high girls getting knocked to the floor. <laughs> because we get so wild in worship. Now, 
Let me just say this before I say anything else. Can I just say, I love your guys' excitement, your passion, your zeal, all of that. I got friends who have youth groups that like worship looks something like this. They're like from the Church of the Chosen Frozen, and they can't even get these, these kids to sing, let alone like jump and dance and have fun and shout and all of that. So I love that. So if, if, if I had a choice on which one that we had to deal with, being a little bit overly excited or being having a church of friggin' statues, <laughs> I would choose the overexcited every single time. With that said, <laughs> with that said, three things. Three things I want to share about worship, what worship is and isn't. Number one, somebody say, number one. Number one, worship is vertical, not horizontal. Here's what I mean. Worship, it's all about God. It's not about you or me. It's not about who's standing next to you. It's not about your friends. It's not about what's happening around you. Worship's all about God. It's not about... uh, it's, I mean, and like, honestly, we have all week to hang out with our friends, to connect with our friends. We only have a couple moments every week to come into the house in the presence of God and worship him. I think we should take advantage of those moments. So worship is vertical, not horizontal. Here's a couple pro tips on how to apply this to your worship moments. Look up more than you look side to side. Have moments where where your focus and attention's all on God more than those around you. Don't get me wrong. I have, I have moments when I, there's, a, believe it or not, there's so many times I have no clue what song the worship team's doing. Like, I don't know the set, nothing. Like, the team handles that. And then we'll go, a song will start, and I'll be like, to the person next to me, I love this song. <laughs> or like, some, like, Sam will do something on drums that's just like, I'm worshiping, you know? And then I go, and I'll lean to Amber and be like, Sam nailed that jump part, you know? (laughs) Like, I'm all good. But, like, the primary, like, 99% of your attention is vertical. It's not horizontal. Here's a really good pro tip to solve a little bit of the out-of-handness. Even in the hype songs when we jump, jump vertically, not horizontally. (laughs) When you lift your hands, lift them vertically, not horizontally. Nobody should be getting pushed, shoved, nothing like that. Go vertical. Not and dude, I know that we. Okay, just on the on the count of three, everybody jump vertically. Just one time. All right, one time. As high you could jump as high as you want. You're not gonna have a beat. Ready? One, two, three, jump. Dude, that looked uh, that looked awesome. Whoa, wait, 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 guys. Nobody's on the floor. It can be done. Maybe you're like, maybe you're like, I don't want to jump. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you a move that we call the UK Jordan Jog. The whole time we were in the UK, Amber and I were in the UK for two weeks. We sat in, in two weeks, we probably sat in like 10 church services. It's so funny. In the UK, nobody jumps. Like for us, it's like one, two, one, two, three, jump. And we jump with both feet. In the UK, they do this. They jog. Sam, Sam, give me a kick drum. One, two, three, four, one. This is what they do. You got, just try it, try it with Jordan. Ready? Hey, you look dope when you're doing it. All right, all right, all right. 
maybe you don't want to jump. Maybe you want to do, maybe you want to do the Jordan jog, whatever. Hey, here's the thing. Like we, we're not like a mega church, but we're not a small youth. There's a lot of people that you might bump into the person next to you. That's all good. But no, but don't, don't push nobody. Don't shove nobody. In the UK, our friends from Audacious, uh, so this is like not a mosh pit. If you want to, if, if you want to get in a mosh pit, Hey, I go to those concerts all the time. I don't go there to worship. <laughs> go, like whatever. Talk to your pa- if it's okay with your parents. <laughs> Talk to your parents and then go. I'm gonna get an email tomorrow. You told my kid to go to a show where there's mosh pits. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> but this isn't that they uh, in audacious. At audacious, they call this the praise pit. In the praise pit, nobody's getting pushed and shoved. Okay. It's not about who's around you. It's about God. So, um, just for like fun's sake. Can we, if I count out, if I count out 10 jumps, you think we jump 10 times on the 10th one stop? Horizontally, no, no. (laughs) Because the horizon's this way, right, right, right. (laughs) Vertically, not horizontally, okay? Just like we do in a song, uh, Sam's gonna give us a kick drum in it, we'll jump 10 times, no one will fall, it'll be awesome, it'll be fun, nobody cares about, and if you're too cool, like, cut it out, you're not too cool. Like, nobody's paying attention to you anyways. It's not about you, all right? So, on our normal one, two, three, let's go. Ten times. Ten, we're going to jump. All right, ready? One, two, one, two, three, let's go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Y'all jumping 11 times. Learn. (laughs) On the point of (laughs) church should be enjoyed, not endured. Worship should be fun. Hey, on the point of, of it, should be, it should be vertical, not horizontal. It's not about the people around you. The second thing that worship should be, worship should be passionate, not painful. It should be passionate, not painful. Here's a couple ways that you can know if it's last week, last week Amber went over, she went to the middle and she, hey, <laughs> telling a couple kids, it's like, hey, it's too much, man. It's just be a lot, don't be too much, you know? You ever meet someone who's just extra? It's like, all right, be a lot, just don't be too much. How can you know if it's too much? Here's a couple ways. Uh, If you're pulling the attention to yourself, this doesn't have to be during the hype song. You know know those people who are like, (laughs) those people in the middle of worship who aren't really crying, but Oceans comes on and they're like, <laughs> and everyone's staring at them. It's like, bro, it's not about you. Like, if you want to have your moment, you're going to cry. Find a spot where you're going to not distract people. <laughs> you, you weeping prophet, all right? You know it's too much if you're pulling the attention to yourself. Hey, you know it's too much if you're knocking somebody over or making somebody fall. You know it's too much if you're falling on purpose, trying to get people's attention. We see you. It's not, nobody cares. <laughs> Don't be falling on purpose, it's not about you. Hey, it's all my big, strong high school boys, all the guys. Hey, on three, all the guys say, hey, one, two, three. I I heard something a few weeks ago. A couple of our junior high girls came to me and they said, Corey, we used to love worshiping down front in the middle. I said, well, why don't you anymore? They're like, we went down there, we got kind of scared and we didn't want to get hurt. like what just happened to you, high school boys happened to me. I said, oh, my heart's broken. Like I want all of, I want everybody to come down to the middle and worship with us. And the last thing in the world that I would want is like any of our kids to be like, 
I just, it gets too wild. To which I'm like, okay, fine. Do the, do the Jordan jog on the sides, okay? Like, whatever. But like, how about we do this? Everybody, look at the person next to you as your little brother. Or not right now. I love how like quick you are to just do whatever I say. <laughs> you guys are like that. Like, I'll do whatever you say, whenever you say. On three, everybody jump. One, two, three. Sick. All right, cool, cool. <laughs> Here's my point. Look at the person next to you as your little brother or little sister that you're responsible for. How many people, how many people have a little sister? If you were to go hang out with your little sister and then you go home and your sister has a huge gash in her head that she needs 10 stitches for because you went to the park and you weren't watching her and she fell off the jungle gym, how, how, how mad is dad gonna be at you? And let's just look at the people around us as our little brother, little sister that we need to help take care of, all right? So it should be passionate, not painful. And the last thing that we ever want to do is have to go and make sure someone's okay. The last thing we ever want to do is have to go and pull somebody out of the middle of worship because it's like, bro, you're being too much or you're just trying to get all the attention on yourself because it's not about you. It's not about me. The last one and then we're going to worship. Worship should be dynamic, not distracting. Where's all, where's all the roller coaster people? You love roller coasters. Where's the people who hate roller coasters? Okay, you might not like this illustration as much. Here's, the, here's why roller coasters are so great. They're dynamic. There's high highs and there's low lows. And we think that worship should be the same. We think that worship should be fun and exciting, but it should also be focused and intimate. That's why if you notice, there's such a dynamic shift in our first to second song. We go from fun and exciting and jumping and clapping and singing. A lot of times the last part of the first song is lift up a shout of praise. And we all go, yeah. like if you don't go home from Bridge Youth with like out your voice hurting, you didn't do it right. But then immediately we shift gears and it feels like this. Know what I mean? Like, look, what is the... Like if you had one genre of music, thank God there's not one genre of music. Because I think there's a time for heavy metal and there's a time for Taylor Swift. <laughs> there's a time for hard-hitting hip-hop and there's a time to be a simp. <laughs> there's a time for both. There's a time to jump and shout and be joyful about all that God's done for you and how much you love Jesus. And then there's a time to focus in and have those moments in his presence that are like nowhere and nothing else. You know what helps me in those moments? Because I'm, I'm a pretty easily distracted person. As we move into those second songs, often what I'll do, I'll lift up a shout of praise, I'll clap my hands, and then I'll close my eyes. I'll lift my hands. I'll forget about who's around. Sometimes I literally try to forget that I'm in a crowded room just for a couple moments and just focus on God. And another thing that helps me a ton is a lot of times I'll focus on the lyrics that I'm singing. What do these mean? What does it mean to me? So let me encourage you with that. When we get to those second songs, press in. Don't miss your moment. Yeah, we just had fun, but we're, we, don't, we don't have the emotional depth of a teaspoon, okay? Like, we, we don't have one level. We don't have one gear. Anybody, anybody like, love cars? 
Where's all the Subaru people at? We get it. We know you're a Subaru person. Imagine your, imagine your car. Who knows how to drive stick shift? Where's the dirt, where's the dirt bike kids at? Imagine your car, your dirt bike. Imagine it had one gear. Dude, some of these, bro. Some this has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Some of these, some of these bikes that are on the freeway that shouldn't be on the freeway sound like they have one gear. It's like, I'm like, shift, shift your bike. Clutch is on the left, bro. Man, our worship doesn't have one gear. We're not one dimensional. We're, we have fun, we're excited, but we're focused and intimate as well. So no matter where we're at, can I remind you, worship, it is it is vertical, not horizontal. It's passionate, not painful. It's dynamic, not distracting. I just really, more than correcting any behavior, I wanted to speak into our culture because I think worship's one of the most important things that we do here at Bridge Youth. So is anybody else excited to worship tonight? Anybody else excited to worship Jesus, our King? In the middle, do me a favor, especially all our high school boys. You see, any, you see anybody who's wanting to push up, knock somebody over, just tap them on the shoulder and do this. Mm-mm. Don't do it. I give you permission. Practice it. Just tap the person on the shoulder next to you. Go, uh-uh. And we're going to get hyped and we're going to have fun and it's going to be amazing and awesome and so, and more than anything, it's going to glorify God. Everybody cool with that? I didn't hurt nobody's feelings. We all good? All right, junior high girls, you can come back to the middle. You ain't gonna get hurt. Hey, can you do this real quick all over this room for just the next couple moments? Close your eyes. Forget you're in a crowded room. All across this place, would you just lift your hands right there where you're at? God, we worship you. God, we recognize that in this moment, this is not about us. This is all about you. God, this isn't Christian karaoke and this isn't a concert. This is worship. And we're here to worship you, God. So I pray that joy would rise in our hearts. I pray excitement and passion would rise up in us. I pray that we would express that on the outside in a way that brings no attention to us and all the glory to you. God, I pray when we move into moments of worship, we'd be so focused, God. We wouldn't miss your presence. We'd press in. We'd worship you in an intimate way, just like we worship you in a passionate way. So God, be in our midst. Do what only you can do tonight. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship him tonight. All right, Bridget, who's ready to worship? Come on, let's clap. Come on, clap.
Sing this out, fire and wind. Fire and wind, come and do it. 
would you, can we lift our hands across these places? We ask for a move of the Holy Spirit across this whole room tonight for every single person that walked in here to encounter his spirit. Come on, Bridge Youth, we sing this out. youth are you really here because I felt like as we were worshiping God wanted to remind all of us to not just come but to really be here in the moments I think when we have expectations of like I'm just gonna go to church and like it's just gonna be the same old Wednesday like the same things are gonna happen like we're gonna you know have service hosts we're gonna have worship we're gonna have a message and like it's just gonna be the same old thing then yeah, it's gonna be the same old thing. But if you come and you're really here and you're like, God, this is a new day. This is a new time. This is a new thing for you to do. God, I'm expecting when we have expectation. And Bridge Youth, we wanna teach you to have expectation of God, that he will show up, that he will speak to you in your pain, in your circumstance, in your good season, in your bad season, in the in-between seasons, God will show up. And so Bridge Youth, I want you to know when you're not really here, you're like, well, God didn't show up. Well, you weren't expecting. And I say it not just to point a finger. I used to go to, when I first started going to church, I thought it was boring. I didn't have a youth group like this, but I, I went to church and I was like, man, this is boring. And you know what? I walked out feeling bored because I didn't expect anything of God. But when I started to open up my heart and I started to really be in service and really understand who God was and people came around me, a community of people that believed in me and believed that would, would talk to, tell me the truth and discipled me and told me the truth that God wants to do something in my life. 
Then I started to come to youth group and I was actually there. So Bridge Youth, I want you to actually be here every week, every Sunday in connect groups and just watch what God does. So I'm not gonna pray tonight, you know this, Bridge Youth, we believe in you guys, we want you to be the ones praying. So I'm gonna have Kai Dunn come up. He's gonna pray before we get into the message tonight. Bow our heads, please. God, I thank you for this wonderful night that you bless us with. God, I pray that you can help give us expecting hearts and give us hearts that are open to you, God. God, I pray that you can bless Pastor Corey with his message tonight, God, and bless everything that he has in store for that you have in store for us, God. God, I pray that you can eliminate all distractions or technical difficulties that can get in the way of the message you have for us. God, I pray that you can bring peace, God, and I pray that you can open our hearts to hear your words tonight, God. So I pray that we just have an amazing night and you help bless everyone, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, high five three people and say, be here. Youth, how we doing tonight? Hey, you good? You look good. Look at your neighbor. Say, you look good. Proud of you guys. Worship was dope. No one's dead. No one even fell. Praise God. Thanks for listening to me. You guys are the best. Hey, if you got a Bible, open uh, to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. Genesis is the very first book in the Bible. So if you get to Exodus, you've gone too far. If you Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, any of those. If you get to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, anything like that. Revelation, you've gone way too far. Go back. Genesis chapter 
50. Hey, um, before we jump into the message, anybody who doesn't know me, my name is Corey, alongside my amazing wife, Pastor Amber. Uh, we get to lead Bridge Youth. It's so much fun. It's so awesome. It's the joy of our life. Wednesday nights are the best night of the week. We absolutely love it. We love meeting new people. Met a couple new people already, um, and we like welcoming our guests every week in a way that never gets old for us. We like saying we're here to build you up, not... We love you. We back you. We're stoked that you chose to spend some of your time with us, whether you're right here in the room or you're watching online. I was thinking, like, how, how awkward was the, the worship encouragement to the people online? They were like, weird. I've never knocked anybody over in worship. Like, I did step on my cat one time. That's fine. Step on your cat all you want. But don't step on the dog. Poor dog. Dude, do you ever, anybody, this has nothing to do with the message. Anybody ever, you don't see your dog there and you step and they go, Hurr! And you're like, oh, and then they're all like scared of you. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so, so like, there is no level of guilt deeper than that. Um, Hey, one more thing before we jump into the message. Youth convention is one month away. Uh, We are, I think like 60, 65, 70% sold out. There's only five girl spots left. There are only five female spots left. So you better go hop on that, register tonight. Like, you might want to start texting your parents right now and tell them to get the registration started. Because we're going to be spending three days in San Diego, California, with a bunch of our friends all across SoCal students. We got friends coming from the UK. Pastor Paul Reed will be preaching. His lead pastor, uh, Glenn, will be preaching. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And trust me, you do not want to miss it. Reggie Dabbs will be preaching. Phenomenal week. And it's going to be so much fun. We're going to stay in a hotel together. It's going to, that's going to be rad. Um, we'll walk over to, uh, I think it's Fashion Valley Mall um, every day for, uh, for lunch and dinners for all of our meals. Dope thing about that. It's a designer mall. So, like, Bridge Youth will be walking through, like, Gucci and Louis Vuitton and, 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 and St. Laurent. And we're not going to buy anything but Boy, are the store employees going to look at us awkwardly, you know. It's gonna, we almost got kicked out of the mall last week because the boys were doing what boys do. There was a huge flight of stairs. It was like probably 30 stairs or something. And it's like, who could get up the flight of stairs in the less amount of steps? <laughs> so we're running and jumping. And the people from, like, I don't know, like, like Gucci are coming out like, guys, you can't do that. This is Gucci. And I'm like, and this is a really high jump, you know. So, it's, dude, it's so much fun. I promise you, going to make some memories. Um, it's going to be so rad. The merch, the merch is sick. We just finalized the merch uh, design. It's going to be so rad. And you only get this shirt if you go to youth convention. It's going to be a great weekend. Don't miss it. Go register today on the website or on the app. It's going to be phenomenal. All right. We are concluding our series entitled Rock Bottom. Who's enjoyed this series, Rock Bottom? Man, I know that I have enjoyed preaching from this series. It's been a series all about discovering God's light in the darkest seasons of life. And tonight, I want to end with this big idea. I want to end talking about our questions at rock bottom. If you're a note taker, here's your sermon in a sentence. Some of y'all are going to love this sermon in a sentence. And actually, by way of the sermon in a sentence, I want you to look at your neighbor and give them the sermon in a sentence. Everybody look at your neighbor. Choose whichever one, first or second, and let them know. Say this. Say, you are not a know-it-all, but God is. 
Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second, tell him, you are not a know-it-all, but God is. Can anybody say amen to that? Have you ever met a know-it-all? I had a friend. I had a friend one time. He was uh, he was one of our one of our interns back when we were in Elsinore, and he was the guy who said, "I know to everything. I know, I know. Oh, you didn't know? I know. Well, I knew that. I already knew that. I know, I know." One time, I started saying something, and I set him up, bro. I literally set him up. I was like, "Hey, did you know that?" And he goes, "I know." And I said, "You know what?" And he's all. Uh, I said, you know what? Because I didn't even say anything. I set you up, bro. He's like, I knew that you were going to say that. I was like, dang it. <laughs> like, you ever meet a know-it-all? Aren't know-it-alls just the worst? Yeah, everybody except for the fact that God is the only real know-it-all. And I actually find a lot of hope in that. You realize it's never occurred to God. You ever have someone like, oh, it just occurred to me. It never occurred. Anybody ever, like, who's, I'll be honest. Anybody else super forgetful? Like I put everything in the calendar or I'm going to forget it. You realize God has never had a moment in all of eternity where he went, oh, dang it, I forgot. He's never forgotten. It's never occurred to God. It's impossible for God to be surprised. You couldn't throw him a surprise birthday party. Well, because number one, he doesn't have a birthday. And number two, he would see it coming anyways. He would be like the best hide-and-seek player ever. Because before he's even done counting, he already knows where you're at. He knows everything, right? With God, God, uh, uh, I live, I live to jump scare my wife. Like, I live for it, bro. I hide around the house. Sometimes, sometimes I wait 20, 30 minutes before she comes to the place where I'm hiding to scare her. She comes around the corner from the kitchen up the, up the hallway. She gets down the hallway, and I'm right there just, ah! And then she scared, like, and I don't even have to scare her that bad, honestly. It's like she's very, very easily scared. And she'll always hit me with the same thing. She'll be like, Corey, one day you're going to give me a heart attack, and then you'll be single forever. Because if you remarry, I'll haunt you. <laughs> she didn't say that. Like, you could never jump scare God. You'd jump around the corner, ha, you'd be like, I saw you coming. I knew that you were there before you ever even existed, actually. So think about that. Like, you can't surprise God. You can't scare God. God's never been lost or confused. He doesn't need GPS. God has never stopped and been like, you know what? I should really ask for directions. No. Why? Because he has the answer to every question. Even when we don't, he knows it all, everything, beginning to end. And for me, that just gives me so much hope, peace, and reassurance. Anybody else thankful that we serve an all-knowing God? I know that I am. All right, let's jump into tonight's message. I have a whiteboard up here today. Please don't feel like you're at school. But tonight we're going to be talking about a guy named Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Not not Joseph that plays golf and goes to youth here, but different Joseph, Joseph from the Bible. And I actually want to break down Joseph's journey for you. You can find Joseph's story in the book of Genesis. It's an incredible story. We do not have time to go through the entire story of Joseph. We're going to land on a specific verse that's sort of our focal point for tonight. But in order to get there, I feel like I got to give you the background. I feel like I got to give you the context. Any text without context is just a con. So I want to give you the context. I want to show you the background to this. So it'll take maybe two minutes, but bear with me. All right. So 
For anybody who uh, grew up in church, you'll know a lot of this. You'll remember some of the kids' Bible stories and everything. Uh, At the beginning of Joseph's story, he is with his family, all right? Joseph is the youngest of 11 brothers, and you thought that you had it bad at home. This dude was, where's where's the babies at? You're the youngest of all the siblings. We hate you, bro. We don't hate you. Hate's a strong word. We really don't like you. (laughs) Where's the oldest? You're the oldest of all your siblings. Why could you? Where's the middle children? Where are you at? My people. How come the oldest siblings could hit us, but we couldn't hit our younger siblings? Make that make sense. So, So Joseph is the youngest of all of his brothers. And get this. He is also his dad's Favorite. Raise your hand if you're the favorite. You just know that you are. Don't lie. I was the favorite until my baby sisters came along. And then all of a sudden, the girls can do no wrong. All the boys are like, that's so true. I didn't get a cell phone until I was 18 years old. My little, no, no. I got, yeah, I got a cell phone for, no, I got, I got a cell phone for my seventh. This is why I thought I didn't get to 18. I got a cell phone for my 17th birthday. I broke curfew by five minutes. My parents took away my cell phone and gave it to my little sister, who's nine years younger than me. And then I didn't get another cell phone until I turned 18 and got my own plan. Like, okay, so Joseph, get the picture. He is the favorite of all of his brothers, and he's with his family. But because he's the favorite of all his brothers, he has these dreams. There's some stuff. God speaks to him in these dreams, shows him what God's going to do for him in his future. But part of those dreams is him kind of ruling over his family and the rest of his brothers. And so he tells his brothers, I'm going to rule over you one day. And they're like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Do you want to die? Which is actually their next step. They're like, no, seriously, do you want to die? Because we're going to kill you. One day they're out working in the fields and they see Joseph coming. They're like, look, there's that dreamer. Let's kill him. You thought you had it bad. And let's throw him in a pit. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So that's literally what happens. They beat him up there. He's just short of death, but he's in the pit of despair. (laughs) Now that he's in the pit, they're getting ready to kill him. They're like, all right, let's kill this guy. One of the brothers speaks up and goes, no, no, guys, we're not a bunch of savages. Let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. Yeah, right? Like, oh, dude. Yeah, that's way better. What? So they're literally like, now let's just make some money. So they do. They sell him from the pit. They sell him into slavery. But the thing, well, okay, let's do this. Let's bring slavery up a little bit. Because I guess getting sold into slavery is better than dying. So he gets sold into slavery. But here's the thing. God's with him through the whole journey. So after getting sold into slavery, he gets taken to a foreign nation, but he gets sold as a servant to this guy named, Brooklyn, you were supposed to help me there. (laughs) Earlier I was doing this demonstration with the school of ministry having the help, and she goes, you shouldn't put Potiphar's house like so high up on the chart because then later on it's going to mess up your illustration. Thanks, Brooklyn. Appreciate you. Um, So he's in Potiphar's house. Now why is this good? He's sold into slavery. This can't be that great, except for Potiphar. Yep. Hold up, hold up. Yeah. So now he's in Potiphar's house. So why is this up here and it's not down here? He's still in slavery, right? But God, God's favor was on him, and Potiphar was a super, super, super rich government official. 
And Joseph comes in and becomes like Potiphar's assistant more than his slave. And because God's favor is on him, Potiphar's like, bro, you're the homie. Like, live in the house. You could play the PlayStation 5. Use the jacuzzi whenever. My... Mikasa and Sukasa, dude. Like, this is dope. You're making my life so much. I trust literally everything in my house to you except for my wife. That makes sense. So then he's like, okay, cool. This is actually pretty sweet. This is a really, really good setup. Hence the money symbols. But wait. <laughs> Joseph gets wrongly accused for, um, how do you say, doing the no pants dance with Potiphar's wife. He didn't. But Potiphar's wife lied. I know, dude. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at the Bible, okay? If this story was a movie, it would be rated R and your parents would not let you watch it, okay? So, and you say the Bible's boring. So Potiphar's wife, because Joseph is young and he's good looking, he's super cute, she wants her some, because, because Joseph's cute, she wants her some Joseph. And Joseph's like, no, I'm not gonna sin. I'm not gonna sin against God like that. I'm not gonna sin against God and my master Potiphar. Not a chance, no way. She goes, fine, then I'll lie. And she lies about it. And Potiphar believes her. So he goes from family to pit to slavery to Potiphar's house. Things are finally going good. He gets wrongfully accused and then he gets sent to prison. So when, he, when he's in prison, like, trust, this is not like, this isn't like our modern day prison. Like, this is way different. It's literally like a dungeon in the bottom of a, like, like in the bottom of this, 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 this palace where, like, oh, it would have been like at, at like a governmental center where there would have been no showers, no light, and he's literally chained up at the bottom of this place. While he's down there, though, There are two guys there who both have these dreams, and Joseph hears from God because he was gifted by God to interpret dreams. He hears from God, and he goes, hey, I know what your dreams mean, and he tells them, and exactly what he tells them happens. And then they get sent up to the palace with Pharaoh, the leader of the known world, and Joseph just has one request of these guys. Joseph interpreting their dreams gets them out of prison. Well, it gets one of them out of prison. The other one gets beheaded, but that's neither here nor there. So he tells the guy who doesn't get beheaded, hey, one thing, dude, just one thing. Don't forget me. Guess what he does? Forgets him. Like For years, he forgets him. So he goes from prison to waiting in prison. And Joseph's just stuck there for a while. Until one day, I do this, the Bible is so dope. Until one day, this guy who Joseph interpreted the dream for, he's working for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh has a dream. And none of Pharaoh's people can tell him what the dream means. And then this dude just hears Joseph's like voice in his head sounding like Mufasa going, remember. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, that's right. Pharaoh, there's this dude named Joseph. Where is he? In prison. And he interpreted my dream. He can interpret your dream as well. And he goes, great, get him out of prison. So they get him out of prison. They take him to the barber shop. They give him a haircut. They trim his beard. They give him a shower. They put on some cologne, probably Dolce and Gabbana light blue. And then they get him all the way from waiting in prison up to the palace, which leads Joseph into walking into God's purpose. And that brings us to the scripture that we're about to read. Oh, man. I just broke down like 20 chapters of the Bible for you guys. And you do not appreciate it as much as you should. (laughs) 
So while in the palace, a great famine hits the land and everybody starts starving to death. This was actually what uh, Pharaoh's dream was all about. And guess who shows up at the palace looking for a handout? His brothers that beat him up and sold him into slavery. And guess what? Guess what? Uh, 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 guess what? Joseph's doing now. He is literally Pharaoh's right hand man. He's wearing a ring on his finger that symbolizes all the authority that Pharaoh has is mine. So when his brothers walk in, he could be like, off with their heads and kill them. But he doesn't. Instead, he realizes that God has a purpose and has been working all along. His brothers, when they figure it all out, they get terrified. And that brings us to the verse that we're about to read that shows how Joseph sees this whole thing. Would you guys stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? Just a couple of verses. Um, verse 19 to 21. This all happens. This all unfolds. Joseph's brothers are standing in front of him. They're terrified. Oh, my gosh, we beat this kid up. We threw him in a pit. We sold him into slavery. His life has been a living hell, and now he's got all this power and authority. We're dead. And Joseph says this, verse 19 of Genesis 50. Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Man, this dude went through rock bottom because of these guys. And he's going, justice and revenge doesn't belong to me. That should stay in God's hands. And then he said, you intended, listen to this, verse 20. Like, memorize this verse. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. Another version says, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people, including you jerks. Verse 21, no, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Before you sit down, let's pray a very long and spiritual prayer. God, speak to us. Amen. All right. Um, have, you ever, have you ever watched somebody do something and you just think to yourself, Why? Like, you ever watch a movie and you're embarrassed for the fictional character in the movie? You're like, ah, oh, I feel so tense. Like, that's the entire experience of The Office. Watching The Office is literally just, like, embarrassment for Michael Scott, right? You ever see someone who, like, wears something and you know that they think that they look good? And you're like, oh, girl, did you think that that eyeshadow went with that lipstick? Ooh. Like, you ever see somebody doing something, you go, why? Why are you doing? Um, I remember uh, one time. Now, I'm going to start this story. I'm going to preface this story. I'm going to begin this story by saying, number one, I think I was eight years, like seven or eight years old. Number two, I'm going to preface this story by saying, don't. Look at your neighbor and shout, don't. Okay, so one time me and my brother are cleaning my room, right? We're cleaning our room. We're a couple of boys. Our room was a mess. Like, it always looked like a tornado flew through our room. When mom and dad said, hey, time to clean your room, all the boys in the, in the room, they know what that means. You open the closet and you throw everything in the closet and shut the doors. That's what that means. But it was one of the, no, no, we're talking clean, clean your room. So we do. We start cleaning our room. We have this whole trash can full with trash and paper and toys and all this stuff. And I randomly find a box of matches. I know. What did I already say about the story? Don't. 
So I'm just like, ah, I'll just like light a match, throw it in the trash can. It'll go up all good. So I light a match, throw it in the trash can. Light a match, throw it in the trash can. Light a match, throw it in the trash can. And the trash can bursts into flames. I'm talking flames hitting the roof of our two-bedroom on the second-story apartment in Corona, California. I flip out. I don't know what to do. Ah! I run to the back corner of the room, and I'm like, ah! Ah! but I can't go tell mom and dad. That is for sure death. The fire in the room is just probably death. So I'm like, ah! Ah! I'm just in the corner of the room. My older brother looks up and goes, he walks out of the room. He walks into our living room. He looks at my mom, my dad. He goes, Corey set the room on fire. <laughs> my, my dad, my stepdad's sitting on the couch watching TV, and he's like, what? He goes, Corey set the room on fire. So my dad looks at my mom and goes, go see what's going on. My mom, I take after my mom. If you think I'm theatrical, if you think I'm dramatic, you have not met my mother. My mom goes into the room sees the fire, freaks out in a full-blown panic. She runs out the room. She runs up the hallway. She runs across the living room, past my dad, past my brother, down the stairs of our second-story apartment, and up the street. My dad's thinking, what is going on? Then my mom comes running back up the stairs. My dad goes, oh, okay, she's going to tell me what's up. She's going to tell me what's going on. She runs up the stairs, through the living room, past my dad, says nothing, goes straight into her room, grabs her bird, cage and all, runs past my dad, again, says nothing, runs down the stairs and up the street. My dad's like, so he goes, I guess I'll go see what's going on. He goes into the bedroom, looks around, doesn't really see anything, but feels something because the trash can was behind the door. He looks, flames are hitting the roof. Like, I'm still in the corner panicking, bro. I'm panicking more now that my dad walked in because who knows, like, the scariest words on the planet is just wait till your father gets home. My dad, like, 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 like Captain America in a, in a Marvel movie, he just picks up the trash can all nonchalant, like flames are almost hitting him in the face. He walks it into the bathroom, into the shower, turns the shower on, and it sets the, it, it like totally shuts down the fire. Comes back into the room and beats me to death. <laughs> and like, there's so many whys to this whole story, right? First off, why would I ever play with matches with a trash can full of paper in my bedroom? You idiot. Number two, why was my brother so calm? Corey set the room on fire. Like, also, snitch. I'm glad that you did. We'd probably be dead if not. And then why would my mom say nothing, save the bird, and not her own kids and family? So many whys. Look at your neighbor say, why? Three questions tonight that I want to tackle on rock-bottom questions that we ask. Number one, why? Why do bad things happen to good people? 
You guys ever heard that question? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why? I think that this is maybe the most common question asked at rock bottom. I remember when I was 19 years old, it seemed like my whole life fell apart. I was living for Jesus. I wasn't living in sin. I was doing everything I could to, like, honor God. And literally, like, I got wrongfully fired from my job. I'd like, like I've got, I got kicked out of my house. I was literally homeless living in my car. And I'm thinking, God, why? Like, I'm not... This isn't a consequence of poor decisions. I'm not partying. I'm not drinking. I'm not addicted to anything. I'm not living in sin. Why is this happening? God, why me? I feel like that's such a common question when it comes to our rock bottom seasons. God, why? Why me? On the grand scale of things, people will often be like, kind of critics will be like, oh, if God's real, then why do bad things happen to good people? First off, I would say nobody's good and bad things happen to everybody. But second, I would say to the Christians in the room, Christians, our faith's foundation, our faith's foundation, it's not a bad thing happening to a good person. It's the worst thing happening to the best person. It's Jesus being crucified. (laughs) We had the, because Easter's coming up, we had the, the school of ministry interns watch Passion of the Christ this week. Yesterday, a couple of our <laughs> female interns walked past my office after having made them watch the Passion of the Christ, bawling. And they go, you see what you did to us? And then the other one goes, this is your fault. <laughs> is this what you wanted? It was so funny. <laughs> I just immediately started busting up laughing. But like, our faiths found out, why does bad things happen to good people? Our faith's beginning, the starting point, the very start of our faith isn't a bad thing happening to a good person. It's the worst thing happening to the best person. And check out what that person said in John 15, verse 20. Remember what I told you? A servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, look, the Christian faith isn't a promise that life will always be good. It's a commitment to Christ even when things are bad. I'm going to say that again. The, a Christian faith, it's not the promise that things will always be good. It is a commitment to Christ even when things go bad. Really quick, three reasons though. Three reasons why. Why bad things happen to good people. Number one, we live in a fallen, broken world. The world's fallen and it's broken right now. One day it won't be. One day Jesus will return, redeem everything. Everything, like, will go to heaven where there'll be no more tears, no more disease, no more sadness, no more sin, none of that. Which brings me to the second reason. Because of sin. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because of sin. Some of you have ended up at rock bottom because of someone else's sin. This is why the whole, like, concept in the world right now is like, you know what? Like, your truth and my truth. No, there is no your truth and my truth. There is only truth. And the you do you, boo-boo. Well, you doing you is really messing up my life. Because your sin doesn't only affect you. Some people sin and other people live in however they wanted, live in their truth and I'm going to do me. And they doing that has made your life hit rock bottom. And God, I hope that my sin never causes anybody else to end up at rock bottom. Because even for you, your sin don't just affect you. Your sin affects everybody around you. Why why do bad things happen to good people? Number one, because we live in a fallen world. Number two, because of sin. And number three, because, I don't know, 
Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second, and say, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm like fascinated with the Bermuda Triangle. That was such a good transition. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm such a nerd about this stuff. There's so many mysteries of the Bermuda Triangle. One of the best ones was the Ellen Austin, the ship called the Ellen Austin. In, in 1881, Ellen Austin set sail from Liverpool heading to New York. When sailing through the northern edge of the Bermuda Triangle under Captain Baker, the Ellen Austin came across an unidentified ship. The ship was kind of sailing like directionless and random, like nobody's piloting the ship. Suspicious it could be like a trap from pirates, you know, like Jack Sparrow's on there getting ready to rob them. Captain Baker followed the ship for two days. When all hailing failed, they tried to get a hold of people on the ship. Nothing worked. After two days, the Ellen Austin's team boarded the ship, and they found that there wasn't a single soul on board. There was nobody. Everything was perfectly in place, and there was no damage to the ship. So it couldn't have been a storm. There was nothing missing, so it couldn't have been piracy. And it couldn't have been mutiny, otherwise there would still be somebody on the ship, right? But everybody had vanished. But it gets better. This story gets even better. So Captain Baker put his best men on this ship, and they began to tow it with them. When traveling through the north side of the Bermuda Triangle, which is nicknamed the Devil's Triangle, another storm hit, and the two ships got separated. So then, uh, when the storm died down, after days of searching... They found the mysterious ship, and it's displaying the same eerie behavior. Drifting motion, like directionless, just being tossed around by the waves. So the Ellen Austin approaches the ship. They board to find, once again, ghost ship. Not a single soul on board. And everybody that they had left on that ship was gone. So they decide, let's tow it up again, put just a few people on there. We'll begin towing it back. They get separated again just for the same exact thing to happen, for them to find the ship and even more of their people missing. So obviously, they go, forget this ship. We're out. They leave the ship. They completely abandon it. So you know, like, you know the answer to what happened? You know, like, the, the, the mystery solved? Nobody does. You see how, like, uncomfortable you are right now? You're like, no. For the love of God, Corey, give us closure. Give us the answer. We do so poorly at unanswered questions. They have no idea. Ellen Austin has no clue what happened with this ship or where their crew went. Nobody was ever found. And it started all these rumors. Some people said, oh, it was, uh, uh, it was ghosts. Or it was, uh, some people said, it was giant squid. Other people rumored that it, w- it must have been aliens. Alien abduction. But nobody knows. No. Can I tell you, God is the know-it-all, and there's some things that in our life we will never know. We don't have all the questions answered. Joseph definitely didn't. Joseph didn't have all the questions answered. So once in a while, I think what we need to realize is that when we ask, why do bad things happen to good people? We need to just realize, I don't know. As if we have it all figured out just because we worship a God who has it all figured out. Which leads me right into my next point. Can you trust God even if you don't have all the answers? 
Can you trust God even if you don't have all the answers? First off, the answer is yes, you can. Second, I, I was thinking this earlier. Um, so you guys know this is Joseph's journey. Um, I was wondering, God's, so God's all-knowing. He knows everything, right? But God is also all-powerful. Somebody say all-powerful. So do you think that an all-powerful God, who when he speaks, he creates universes, that nothing is impossible for him, do you think that he could have instead done this? It's not a trick question. The answer is, yeah, probably, right? And, and I know as a pastor, there's a lot of people who ask me some questions like, okay, so then, so then why didn't God do that? And I have some theories. I have some thoughts. But at the end of the day, you know what I have to respond in saying? I don't know. I wish I did. But can I trust God even when I don't have all the answers? So then other people would be like, okay, so then like all of this... That was God's plan? I don't know. Maybe all of that was just Satan's sorry excuse for sabotage. I'm writing as fast as I can, guys. Bear with me. Because Satan's like, oh, you want to do what with Joseph? You want to use his life to save an entire nation from famine? You want to use his life to even save his brothers? And, and Satan's like, uh-uh. Instead, I'm going to get his brothers to kill him. And then, and then God's like, uh-uh, watch this. I'm going to nudge on one of his brother's hearts to not kill him. Fine, I'm going to get his brothers to sell him into slavery. And then God's like, yeah, you go ahead and do that. Because I'll make sure that he gets sold into Potiphar's house. Well, he'll have a season of relief, a deep breath. He'll catch his breath. He'll regain some faith. And then Satan's like, yeah, but I'll get a sketchy girl to lie about him. And then he'll get sent into prison. And then God's like, cool. It's in that prison where he's going to meet a couple of guys who he's going he's gonna to use the gift that I gave him of interpreting dreams. And then, and then I'll get him up into the palace. And then Satan's like, uh-uh, because watch this. I'll make the dude forget. And then he's like, forget, perfect, because then I'll get Joseph to wait until exactly the right time to get up into the palace. And then Satan's like, no problem, because I'll bring those scumbags that beat him up and sold him into slavery over here so that he doesn't fulfill his purpose. Instead, he murders those jerks and then goes right back down into prison. And then God's like, uh-uh, because I'm going to touch Joseph's heart and help him to forgive them so he can walk into his purpose. Is this what God wanted to do? Maybe. Is this like Satan's plan and man's plan coming into the mix and God's still working through it all? Maybe. It was it Satan's sorry excuse for sabotage and God said, keep trying, buddy, because you, you just keep on failing? Maybe. But I don't 100% know. But what I do know was Joseph's perception and perspective. God, I trust you. And what, what you all meant for evil, God meant for good. He turned it all around. When you don't have all the answers, young person, can you still trust God? One of my favorite things about this series is, is nothing that's happened on the platform, but a bunch of the stuff that's happened off the platform. And the, the band, you guys can start heading up to help me close this down. People sharing stories about, this has happened to me. Here's some of my journey. 
I've hit rock bottom in this way or that way. I've had young people share how their parents got divorced. I've had some young people share about the surgeries that they've had that were life-threatening. And they were able to roll into surgery with a smile on their face because God gave them peace. And young people share about how their father died unexpectedly. It's a person you never even guess because they always have a huge smile on their face. And so often when, when these people will come to me and be like, you're my pastor. Help me figure out why. I just think to myself, and I'll tell them, I don't know. I really don't know. But I think that we as Christians need to stop trying to make sense of things that will never make sense. And instead of always living like we need to have the answers, be content with knowing we worship a God and serve a God who does have all the answers. And it's okay that if I don't, because I'm attached to and following the one who does, so I can have peace. I can have hope knowing that even if, I mean, Proverbs, Proverbs 3, verse 5. It's a very famous verse. It says, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not. Somebody say not. Do not depend on your own understanding. You'll have a lack of understanding. You'll have questions that are unanswered. Don't lean on that. Lean on your trust in the Lord. One of the best things you can learn to do at rock bottom is trust God And even when you don't know how you ended up there, even though you don't know why you ended up there, just say, God, I might be here, but I'm not staying here, and I trust you. My last point, um, the last question, I think of when Joseph was here. He must have asked, what if God doesn't come through? What if God doesn't come through? What if, I think for sure, I mean, think about how discouraging it must have been that in prison, God shows him, here's your way out. You just interpreted the dream of a guy that's going to the palace to be with Pharaoh. Any moment, any moment, you're out of here. I'm gonna come and work. I'm gonna pull you out of this place. And then he waited waited. For years he waited. Surely he must have thought at some point, God, are you ever going to come through? Am I going to die down here? And I think so many of us, that's the question we start asking at rock bottom because our rock bottom season lasts so much longer than we thought it would. We're asking, God, are you ever going to come through? Am I going to die here? Is this going to be my whole life? God, is this, is this forever or is this just for now? Will God ever come through? Yes, he will. But I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so I can't get into the background of their story, but they're three guys who, who are going to be executed for not bowing down to a fake God. They said, no, we worship God. We don't worship your fake gods. We only worship God. And this king named Nebuchadnezzar is like, if you don't bow down to these fake gods, I'm going to kill you. And here's how I'm going to kill you. I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace, into a gigantic human-sized barbecue that you'll get thrown in there and you'll, be, you'll literally be burned to death. And I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response. They say, if you throw us in the furnace, God will come through. He will save us. But even if he doesn't, 
king, you need to know this. We will never bow down to your fake gods. Even if, somebody say even if. I think real faith is even if faith. That when it seems like God didn't come through, you still say, I'll never bow down to the fake gods. Even if it seems like God's not coming through, God, I'm still gonna trust you. I'm still gonna follow you. Because we know this. What's like the worst rock bottom, the worst thing that can happen to you? We die. But for a Christian, death is homecoming. We go home at the worst rock bottom. At God not coming through. He still comes through because heaven's waiting for us on the other side. I'm not the guy that goes, hey, you know what this tattoo means? I hate that. You know what this tattoo means? The shark, it means I was in the UK with my wife and sharks are cool. That's what that means. But I have one over here and it's, and it's death and it says, where is your sting? Because there's this Bible verse that says, death, where is your sting? Meaning death, die? If I, if I die, whatever. I'm going to heaven. I'm literally, like, I'm literally stepping into my real home and going to party with Jesus for all of eternity. So even when God doesn't come through, God's still gonna come through, whether it's this side of eternity or that. So you can have hope. What if God doesn't come through? He will. He came through for Joseph. He stays true to his promise. You just gotta not get stuck at rock bottom. How do you not get stuck at rock bottom? I'm closing this down, I promise you. Three things. One, don't let yourself get overtaken with unforgiveness. Don't sit there and dwell on the person that sent you to rock bottom. Don't sit there and focus on how they hurt you. Focus on what they did to you. Focus on how they betrayed you. Focus on all the things that they did to you. No, because then they're winning. When the brothers came to the palace, Joseph had already forgiven them. He didn't allow his unforgiveness to keep him. Because what would have happened? He murders his brothers. He goes right back down to rock bottom. Okay, so number two, don't get stagnant. Don't fall in love with rock bottom. There's so many people, we're so huge on identity. I identify as, and there's so many people, you're not dealing and struggling with depression. You're over here identifying as depressed. I am depressed. No, you're not. You're struggling with depression and you're gonna conquer depression. What if God doesn't come through? He will. He will, I promise you, he will. Let faith rise. In the waiting season, those who wait on the Lord, they they will mount up like wings on eagle. They'll run and not grow faint. Wait on God. He will come through. Don't get stagnant. Don't get stuck. The last one is bitterness, and this one's huge because I'm talking about bitterness towards God. Don't you think that by the time he got here that Joseph would be bitter towards God? Over here, when he's the spoiled brat with every blessing possible, he's, God shows him, here's what I'm going to do with your life. He goes, that's so sick. And then his brothers beat him up and throw him in a pit and they're getting ready to murder him. And he's like, this is not what I had in mind. Then he gets sold into slavery. He's like, this is not what I had in mind, God. What are you doing? And then he goes to Potiphar's house and he goes, oh, okay, you're probably at work, God. This is kind of cool. And then he gets wrongfully accused and Potiphar believes this lady. And then he gets sent to prison. He's like, God, what are you doing? I went from rock bottom to rock bottom. And then 
He's like, oh God, wait, you are working. And then that guy totally forgets about him. He's like, wait, maybe you're not working. But what if back on this season, he was bitter towards God. And when these two dudes came and were like, hey, we had these dreams. He goes, I used to interpret dreams because God gifted me to interpret dreams. But you know what? God ain't come through for me lately. I'm not coming through for him either. So sit on your dreams and have no clue what the heck, what the heck they mean. It would be like you. If you have a beautiful voice, God's blessed you with a voice. You have this singing voice that you're like, I'm not using it for God because I'm at rock bottom. And God, I'm not using my gifts for you. What if Joseph didn't use his God-given gifts for God? He wouldn't have interpreted those dreams and he wouldn't have been brought up to the palace because he just stayed bitter. Are you bitter at God? Because if you hold on to that bitterness, you're going to stay at rock bottom. The last dream that Joseph had to interpret was the one that brought him to the palace that led him to his purpose. Let go of bitterness. I'm all for a real, genuine, authentic relationship with God. I've had moments with God where I'm like, God, I'm so mad at you. God, I'm so mad that you could have but instead, you allowed. God, I'm like, I don't understand that, and I'm upset at that, and I'm actually kind of mad at you. But I'm not going to stay bitter at you because I trust you. I believe you. And even at rock bottom, I know you're bringing light into my dark situation. So as we close, you're not a know-it-all. But God is. So find hope in would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? God, I pray anybody who is rock, at rock bottom right now. God, I pray for the one who's been bitter towards you. God, some of them, that bitterness is justified. They've been through it. They've been hurt. They've been, they've, their, their trust has been broken. And God, they've They've kind of begun to like reject you and push away from you. God, they've even, they've even been given gifts from you that they're not using because they're upset and bitter towards you. I pray, God, break those walls down right now. God, I pray every single heart under the sound of my voice is softened and open to you right now. With heads bowed, with eyes closed, if that's you, Maybe you've hit rock bottom. You want to give your life to God. Maybe you haven't hit rock bottom, but you want to say, you know, you, you, in this moment, you want to say, whenever I do end up hitting that rock bottom place, I want to know that I'm already right with God. If that's you, either one of those, you're ready to give your life to Jesus. You want to place the pen of your life in his hands. Let him write the next chapters because you know you can trust him and he'll write a way better story with your life than you could ever write on your own. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to respond in a simple way. In a moment, I'm going to count to three. I just want you to lift your hand, then you can put it right back down if that's you. When I get to three, this is your moment. Don't put off to tomorrow that which you can do today. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Public setting, private moment. You want to give your life to Jesus. When I get to three, lift your hand. One, two, three, go. So many hands. You can put it right back down. All right, we're going to pray. The Bible says confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And he rose from the dead and you'll be saved. We're a family here, so we pray together. Would everybody pray this right out loud, right after me? Say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe 
that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you everything. And from this day forward, I'm gonna follow you. No turning back, no looking back. Thank you for receiving me. From this day forward, I'm your child and you are my father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, it's the best decision you can make with your life, but it's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. We wanna get a gift to you called The Next Seven Days. There's seven videos that will help you in your faith journey for the next week. It's literally me on this on your phone or your tablet or your computer, hopefully not on your big screen TV at home in the surround sound because does anybody else hate the sound of their own voice? I know I do. But it'll literally just help answer some questions that you might have. Do I have all the answers? Heck no. But when I first got saved, I felt like I didn't have anybody to ask these questions to. I felt like I was kind of on my own. We don't want you to be on your own. We think that you should be a part of the pack, the family, the tribe. And so I promise you, these videos, they'll be a blessing to you. How can I get it, Corey? Easy. Just go to our Instagram, at bridge, Y-T-H underscore. DM us the words next seven, and we'll handle the rest. We'll get you the videos, connect you with the leader, all that. If you don't got Instagram, come talk to me, talk to Pastor Amber, talk to any one of our leaders. We'll get the videos to you in another route, in another way. Hey, one more time. Can we welcome people into God's family? Hey, would you guys stand to your feet? Would you head up to the front? I want to conclude this whole series. Nobody distracting anybody. I want to conclude this whole series with worship, like we should. Really quick, where's the, um, where's the people in the room? You, you, you scooter, you bike, you skate, you rollerblade. Where are those people? You scooter, you bike, you skate, you rollerblade. Where's the, um, where's the dirt bikers? One more time, dirt bikers. Okay, you guys are like the craziest ones because it's not a matter of when you'll, like if you'll break a bone, it's when you'll break a bone. Where's the, uh, where's the snowboarders at? So I grew up, I grew up like a total skateboarder. Like the only thing I cared about was skating. I started skating in the fourth grade. I thought it was gonna be my whole life. I, I, I scored like a local sponsorship at a shop in uh, East Riverside. And literally my game plan was I am going to become a pro skater. It was my everything. And I remember times when, when I'd fall, I had, I had like a flat bar rail at my house. I had ramps and all this stuff. My whole life was skating. Literally every day from fourth grade to like I started playing music at 16, 17 years old. Every day was skateboarding. And I remember, like you guys probably do, whether it's skateboarding or scootering or rollerblading or biking or just playing outside. Do kids still do that? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Kai said, heck yeah, we do. I don't want to play some video games. I want to do it myself. <laughs> but I just saw the video of you, like, it's all wet, and you just slid, bro. That was slid, dude. It was so dope. It's nothing to do with what I kind of have something to do with them. You guys remember when you were a little kid, when you were, like, five, six years old? You remember when you would fall, and you would, like, scrape your knee, or you would get hurt? And, like, for me, it was always, like, the moment I saw the blood, I was like, oh, 911, like, I'm going to die. For me, I'd always run straight to my mom. I was a total mama's boy. Like I wouldn't, if I ran over to my dad, my stepdad was the type that would be like, where is it at? He said, oh, let me see, buddy. Bam, and he'd smack and be like, walk it off, dude. Like that was my, so I, I wouldn't go to my dad for this stuff. I go straight to my mom. And I remember my mom, she'd grab me. She'd hold, sometimes she'd, she'd kiss my boo-boo all better. 
Maybe I, it feels all better. But she would hold me. She'd say, it's going to be okay. And then she'd send me right back off to go skateboard some more. When did that stop being enough for us? You know what my mom didn't do? I didn't go to her with my scraped knee, and she goes, okay, let me explain to you. Come here. Let me explain to you, sweetie, the 87 steps as to why you scraped your knee. It all started back in the fourth grade when we bought you that skateboard and you fell in love. Like, she didn't make sense of the pain. She just held me, told me it was going to be okay. I believed her, and then she sent me forward. Tonight, as we conclude this whole series, what if instead of trying to make sense of all these rock bottom seasons, all the storms that we go through, what if instead we just run to the Father's arms, we, we in this moment hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit say, it's gonna be okay. We believe him in faith and we begin to move forward into what he has for us. I think that that's exactly how we should end a series entitled Rock Bottom. Would you do me a favor? Would you forget anybody else's around you? This isn't a crowded room anymore. It's you and God. Close your eyes all over this place. Lift your hands. God, God, I don't know why we have to walk through some of the storms we walk through, but I know you walk through the storms with us. God, I don't know why some of us have lost loved ones, even recently. But I know, God, you draw near to the brokenhearted. So we trust you. So God, instead of in this moment demanding answers and asking, why, God, why, why me? Why has this happened? Why am I here? Instead, God, we're going to run into your arms. We're going to hear you say, it's going to be okay. We're going to believe you at your word. And in this moment, as we worship you, even if we're at rock bottom, we're going to worship at our rock bottom because we know that in the midst of the storm, when we worship you, when we're in your arms, you're the voice that calms the storm. We know that even at rock bottom, we can have rest. We know that in the worst seasons of life, that you're still there. We know that even when things are dark, that you speak light into it. So God, in this moment, what we do is we run into your arms and we worship you. We receive your peace, your hope, your comfort, even if we don't receive answers as to all the reasons why. Instead, we just trust you, God, right there in your own words, in your own voice, eyes closed, hands lifted high. Just begin to worship him. God, we praise you. We worship you. We honor you. Midst of everything we go through, we don't turn from you, we turn to you. We receive your peace. Jesus. There's a grace when the heart is undefined. Another way when the walls are closing in. And when I look in the space between, where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire Standing next to me There was another 
I really feel like within this moment, talking about a series about rock bottom, difficult moments, difficult times, difficult seasons and struggles that we find ourselves in, I really feel like this was the perfect way to end a series like this because when you look at Joseph's life, he went through so many like rock bottom moments. He went through so many moments where he could have just given up, where he could have just, you know, totally forgot about God, totally lost his trust inside of him. But I feel like one of the things that we can walk away with this is simply this, is that when Joseph was in the pit, God was with him. When Joseph was sold into slavery, God was with him. When Joseph was in Potiphar's house and when he was tempted, God was with him. When Joseph was in prison and when he's interpreting dreams and then he has a, a, a year or so of waiting, God was still with him. And even when he found himself in the palace and he was walking out his purpose during a famine, during a uh, catastrophe, God was still with him. And I feel like somebody has to hear this tonight and I don't know exactly who it's for, but I just want you to know that right now, in your rock bottom moment, wherever you find yourself on that scale of like Joseph's life, using that as an illustration for your own life and where you are, is that no matter where you find yourself, God is with you. And he hasn't forsaken you. He hasn't left you. And I love what Pastor Corey was talking about tonight, about asking ourselves why, and really throwing out that question all to begin with. Because I feel like sometimes what we do is that we focus more on the why we focus more on why I'm in my situation. We focus more on why is there a problem. But I feel like what we have to do is that instead of focusing on our why, we have to know the God who's with us within our problem. Is that even if I'm going through an issue, God is still with me. Even if I'm going through a tough time, God is still with me and he hasn't abandoned me. And so if you feel like you're in that situation right now and you feel like that you're on the verge of losing hope and you feel like you're on the verge that you know all hope is lost and you feel bitterness creeping in can I just tell you the best thing that you can do from what Corey was talking about tonight is simply be in God's presence and let go of everything let go of all the thoughts let go of all the hopelessness like let, let go of all the bitterness because God even in the middle of your pit and even in the roughest moments is still worthy of all of our praise even if God does no more miracles in our lives he is still worthy and he is still good and he is still able and guess what God's not going to just leave you in the pit he's going to get you out of the pit we just have to hold on we just have to be in the moment Hey, can you make some noise for Pastor Corey tonight as he finished this series? Hey, maybe tonight you gave your life to Christ. Can I just tell you that that is the best decision you can ever make? And we are so excited and so stoked that you made that. Hey, we want to help you guys out as you go through this journey of faith because you're probably wondering, uh, what does this all mean, right? Uh, do I have to jump every single time that there's worship music going on? Like, what do I do with this, with this faith and with this relationship or job, right? Uh, but we want to help you guys out with that. And we have a resource for you guys for free called The Next Seven Days. If you are interested, if you gave your life to Christ and you want us to go along this journey with you, DM us on Instagram at bridge, Y-T-H underscore next seven, and we will give you that free resource. Also, before we go, I just want to remind you guys, Easter is coming up. How many of you guys already knew that? Easter is coming up. Hey, here at 
The Bridge Church, we got a few things going on during the Easter weekend. First and foremost, we have an amazing Good Friday service planned out, which yes, is on Friday. It's not a trick question. Uh, it is on the Friday before Easter, which is on April 7th. We have a seven o'clock evening service. So come by for that. Invite some friends, invite some family members. But we have three, someone say three. We got three Easter services happening on Sunday, April 9th. We have an 8.30, a 10 o'clock, and an 11.45. Guys, can I just tell you, like, like quick hack when it comes to uh, your faith? Easter is one of the best and easiest times to invite somebody to church. Because most likely they're already going to a church, so why not just invite them here, right? We have three services to pick from. It would be awesome to get all your guys' friends and families here on one of those services. Also, Wednesday nights is not the only time that we have church. We also have church for you guys on Sunday mornings at 11.30. We got connect groups just for you guys. If you have never been to our uh, Sunday morning services, we would love to have you guys. We meet in the main auditorium for worship, and we come in here for connect groups. It's an awesome time. And then, last but not least, where are all my seniors at right now? You are graduating this year. Let's go. Senioritis maybe has already kicked in. But here's the thing. For all of our seniors, uh, we have a special thing happening on Sunday, which is our young adults gathering. I will be there. It's an awesome time. If you are wanting to check that out and be a part of that for all of our seniors, you are more than welcome to come through. You are invited. It starts at 5 p.m. right outside uh, of these doors in our coffee shop on Sunday. Hey, we love you guys so much. Have a great night. We'll see you guys back here on Sunday.